Hey, all, Michael Lunsford here, Citizens for a New Louisiana. And we're talking about the election coming up on November the 3rd. There's a lot on the ballot. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to walk into the voting booth and you're not going to know which end is up. So we're doing this little series right now. I'm talking to judge candidates. This is Royal Colbert. He's running in Division D. And what's that district look like? Is, where, where is that? Uh, the geographical boundaries are Glorious Switch Road up to the outskirts of Church Point. You hang a left, go over the interstate to Crowley, get to Cameron Street on 90, hang another left, come back down Cameron Street till you get to University, and then you hang a right and go to the airport. Okay. Yeah. Vast. Vast. Big district. So if you're going to be showing up and you're going to see Division D, in fact, you can go to uh, GoVote.com online and pull your ballot just to make sure you know what you're doing. But look, we wanted to talk because you're running for judge, Division D. That's Jules Edwards right now? No, I'm judge sorry. Rubin. That's Judge Rubin's yes, seat. Yes, sir. And he's not running for re-election. I think he's aged out. Yes, sir. And so you're running for his seat. Tell me a little bit more about you know your experience. Uh, you're currently with the district attorney's office. Yes, so sir. you've been in that courtroom. You've talked to Judge Rubin. You've seen. You've been in his court. You've, you've participated in that process. Right. Well, my experience starts way back when, because uh, I am kind of old now. But... Uh, I started off as a lawyer working with uh, Allstate Insurance Company. From Allstate, I went to, I'm sorry, let me flip it. I actually started off as an attorney with the Department of Justice down in Baton Rouge under Attorney General Foti. Wow. Worked in the civil department for about six years. Uh, literally left and went on active duty with the Army. Uh, came back from there. Uh, went, came to the Public Defender's Office here in Lafayette. Worked, helped them revamp some of the programs there for about three or four years. And then I was lucky enough to be the last hire by Mike Harson before he retired. And then I was lucky that uh, Keith Stoops, great boss, kept me on. <laughs> so I'm going to shout out to Keith. <laughs> so there you are. It's um, And the, the race that, what we were talking about earlier uh, before we, we turned the camera on is you were talking about how you believe that rehabilitation is a lot more important. I say uh, it, it should be a higher priority than incarceration. And we had talked about that a little bit and your belief that we are over-incarcerated as a state and as a community. Okay, so America has the highest incarceration rate of any uh, country in the world. We're uh, less than 25% of the population, but we have more than 25% of the actual incarcerated uh, people in the world. And Louisiana leads the nation the actual incarceration rate. Wow. So Louisiana is literally the most incarcerated population of any place in the whole entire world. Now, if you break that down, we're incarcerating people for property crimes, drug crimes, and then, you know, they're the worst of the worst. They, you know, the child molesters, the rapists, those crimes, those crimes where someone actually gets physically hurt or mentally abused, right. you set those over there. Those are the worst of the worst. What people are not recognizing is, and I say this all the time, I say rehabilitation over incarceration because we're wasting money. Right. Now, that's the bottom line. It is $16,174 per year to incarcerate one person. Um, and if, when and you, that's just the basic cost. That's yes, sir. If, if they need medical attention or anything like that, it goes up. If, exactly. Uh, in fact, there are some people, and I'll get to later, there are actually people who actually go to jail to get their medical and dental needs taken care of. But you take that $16,174, and I went to USL, not UL, USL, mm -hmm. and it, my tuition wasn't that much a year. Uh, and that includes my room and board and, my, uh, and everything else I needed uh, to go to school. So I think that money could be spent wiser, doing some wiser things to help those people who are maybe drug addicts, uh, doing petty crimes like theirs, finding them some job training and some meaningful employment so they are no longer a burden on the state. So you and I, Mr. and Mrs. Taxpayer, are no longer paying for them. They become productive citizens and they're paying for themselves again. That's perfect. That's great. So right now, uh, we talked about the budget situation in the court system. Okay. Um, 
we all know we're in unprecedented time, like everybody's saying. I always tell myself, well, I want some of those precedented times with the COVID-19. So tax revenue is down. All is down. Everything in Louisiana is down. So simple fact of the matter is, and I'm going to say this as plain as I can, we are broke. And we need to stop getting off the idea that we can never say we broke. And the politicians do the same thing. I'm not a politician. Someone asks me where I'm going to find the money. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't have the money. You find the money because we broke. And so we recognize that we are broke. Then it's time for the people of Louisiana, the court included, uh, and the criminal justice system included, to tighten our belts. We have tighten our belts, bear down, take some of the budget cuts, start living like on living within our means, as my mom always say. You know, if you make two dollars, don't spend two dollars and fifty cents. Stop living off credit. So we have to alter our court system for the same way, um, and we have to become more efficient. Okay, which leads me into my um, alternative sentencing. And here's okay. my plan for alternative system sentencing. Again, it is $16,174 to incarcerate somebody for a year. That money might be better spent, and this is just my idea, and I could be wrong, and I haven't tweaked it yet, letting that person pay for their own incarceration. We have a great ankle monitoring system and GPS monitors and a great home incarceration. So if you're not in jail for a violent crime, if you're in jail for a petty crime, if you're sitting there even on bail, because even those bail costs while you're sitting there be on bail awaiting trial, we're backed up, then you're sitting there costing the taxpayers money. That's right. Get, let this person get out on ankle monitor system. It will cost them money. They will actually pay for their freedom. They, again, they will pay for their freedom. It's about two to $300 per month, but they will pay for their freedom. But you set conditions. You don't want to be in LPCC Monday through Friday or Monday through Sunday. Then what you do is you go out and you, get, you make sure you have a job. You have a job. You can pay for your ankle monitor system. The sheriff's department can be responsible for that. So now it brings revenue into the sheriff's department. Mm -hmm. It brings money, revenue into the court system. Mm -hmm. And you're paying for your own freedom. You're paying your debt to society. And you're also at home when you're paying your own light bill. And we're not paying to incarcerate you. That's the, again, that would be reserved for nonviolent offenders uh, that we have incarcerated now, because they're just sitting there wasting time. Because again, right. we cut all the rehab programs. Right, and I, I had seen the numbers myself maybe a year ago when we were looking at the sheriff's tax and maybe the uh, jail mm -hmm. and uh, courthouse. They were ta tra talking about raising taxes, and we looked at who was actually in the jail, and it was a very high percentage of people who just couldn't afford bail, and they were in jail for. That was the only reason they were still there because it was like some small petty crime. Right. I want to say the number was over 80, maybe even 90% of the people in the jail were just, they hadn't paid bail. Right. And okay. And so look at what bail is designed to ensure that you show up for court. Right. Well, again, everybody has a cell phone. Everybody. So there's some way to track everybody in this world. If you're over the age of 10 in America, you don't have a cell phone, something probably is wrong with you. You just want to be unplugged. So we have the means to monitor those people. We have the means to track those people. Even an ankle bracelet, though, at $200 a month is still cheaper than $16,000 a year. It's cheaper. When you count food, when you yeah. count housing, when you count the cost of deputies, when you count the uh, cost of the medical care, and we have to talk about the medical care, you know, people don't realize that when someone is incarcerated, the system, the court system, the sheriff department, the taxpayer, they are responsible for everything that person needs. I mean, I have been working in the courthouse for the last 10 years. I've been a prosecutor in Judge Rubin's courtroom. There, and I would say jail is a revolving door. There are people I know are coming to commit some crime. They may go in Walmart and steal a TV or some socks or something. In November, so they know they can stay in jail in November, December, and January, or they have a toothache, or they have a headache that they're going to get the medical care. And what happens is they go, we have to bring them to UAC or the charity hospital. They get the medical care they need, and they deserve it. Don't, don't get me wrong. I feel for these people. They deserve it. But again, the citizen taxpayer is paying for it, and then they'll stay in jail to stay warm. So we have to come up with a better system. And I think the ankle bracelet system is a much better system for those people accused of petty crimes and property crimes where someone has not actually been hurt. I think it's a great idea. And um, I, I, 
this is really good news that somebody's thinking these thoughts. And look, uh, we're, we're kind of coming towards the end of our video. So if you would, go ahead and close. Tell people why you're the right candidate, and we'll, we'll end okay. with that. So I think my vast experience makes me the right candidate. Again, and the fact that I'm actually from Lafayette area. I was born, literally born in Truman, on um, Martin Luther King Drive. When I was born there, it was 228 Lillian Street. So at my home, this is my home for me. And I say Acadiana, because if you're from Lafayette, you're from Rain, you're from Dusan, you're from Scott. Um, but I'm out and about amongst the people. But I also think I have th that cross-section where I can represent all people. I went to Catholic school, and I'm extremely Catholic. So I'll tell everybody that I'm really, really Catholic. Um, but my experience, uh, when I first came out of high school, after graduating high school, my first thought was, well, I joined the Army. I have to pay my way through college. My mother always say, pay what you owe. So I paid my way through college by writing that uncashable check. Did my time in the military, got my diplomas, came back, attended USL. While at, again, right back in Lafayette. My first job was at the Department of Justice in Baton Rouge, but I still lived here in Lafayette, right there on Mall Street. But I have friends who live in River, well, it wasn't River Ranch, then it was Kali Saloon Road, uh, Bendel Gardens. I have friends there, I went to school with some of these kids. So I know I'm appealable to a cross section. I think as a judge, I'll be that unifying candidate, that unifying judge with everyone, no matter what side of Lafayette or what side of the tracks you come from, will be able to come to me and say, hey, Royal, this is what's going on. Um, and as a leader, again, I'm an army, I'm not an army brat, I'm a product of the army system. Mm -hmm. And one of the, my mantras is, when I got to basic training, my drill sergeant told me, look to your right, look to your left. He said, what do you see? And we said, people. He said, and one guy said, well, I see a white guy and a black. I said, no, you don't. He said, you see green. So my concept is, and I live by that, I don't see color. I don't see race. I see people. I see the people of Louisiana. My, I see the people of Lafayette, the people of Rain, the people of Doosan. So I think I can be that unifying person. Aside that, my experience, I have the civil experience. Uh, having done some prior practice, having worked for Allstate Insurance Company for a number of years, I have federal experience on both the military and civilian side, having been a prosecutor and a defense attorney in the military. I have the criminal experience, having been a public defender and I'm now a prosecutor. And I have, more important than anything else, I have a listening ear. I've learned to look at people, learn to judge people, not by who they are, or where they come from, but by the content of their character. I think that's going to make me the best, con best candidate in the race. So you have a website? It's royalforjudge.com. Okay, that's easy, royalforjudge.com. Royalforjudge.com. And a Facebook page. If people want to reach out to you, they can get in touch. Yes, sir. Excellent. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, Royal, it's been an absolute pleasure I to meet you. I appreciate you guys having me. And thank you so much for coming and joining us. Yes, sir. All right, y'all. Pay attention. you got more going on in November than you knew. This is one example. Take care. Right. See you next time. Bye.